So to me, the why, the purpose, is totally integrated in with the profits that you want. You just start with the purpose, but you must be clear about the kind of profits you also want because that's going to impact the decision of who you work with and what you sell them. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and I am extraordinarily thrilled to bring you today's guest. Named by Inc. Magazine as one of the top 13 business shows, J.V. the III hosts the Conscious Millionaire Podcast and Radio Network with over 1,800 episodes heard in over 190 countries. He's a number one best-selling author, speaker, and serial entrepreneur who made his first million at the age of 25. J.V. is a high-performance coach to entrepreneurs and business coaches who want to scale to their first million or double their seven-figure business. Conscious Millionaire provides accelerator masterminds to help entrepreneurs accelerate in just 30 days. Welcome to the show, J.V. Thanks for coming on today. Well, you know, Richard, it, it's fabulous. And I want to give a shout out. I was speaking at PodFest and it was the last day and my partner cohort, her cohort who's also a, uh, a host on my network, uh, Marcus Aurelius Anderson, I'll give a shout out to him as well, had met you and said, hey, why don't you meet JV? And there you found me, which is, and then we were sitting down and we were just having a conversation about synchronicity. And uh, really, that's the conversation about flow and how things come together in these synchronous ways. Almost all the great meetings and opportunities in my life occur through synchronicity. Um, I don't expect it. Yesterday, I was in Tattered Cover Bookstore, which is uh, the largest bookstore, private bookstore here in, in Denver. And I looked over and somebody was reading the book Influence. And I finished a phone call, went over and just said, hey, I read that book 30 years ago, right? And uh, ended up moving my stuff over and we had a, a two and a half hour conversation. So this is, and, and now he's introducing me to possible clients and said, hey, I'd like to work with you. And I said, well, let's talk, right? And all that was synchronous, just over me deciding go to Tattered Cover as opposed to Union Station because I was trying to decide between the two and had the New York Times with me. But I went to Tattered Cover because it felt like the right place. And if I hadn't sat at that table he and I never would have met in my senses, all kinds of things will come out of that meeting. That to me is the magic of life. And it happens every day if we pay attention. It does. And I want to spend some time, I want to revisit that a little bit later on, because even how you and I connected, there was fascinating synchronicity and how we reconnected was even more interesting. And I, and I want to share that a bit later on, but there's, there's so many different ways that we could go with this discussion. What do I really want to do? I, I know you made your first million at the age of 25. Share, us, share with us that story. Talk to us about how you created your first million and we'll, we'll build from there. 
Well, a lot of synchronicity on that as well. So I grew up in a little town out in the center of Florida. Uh, it was really a beautiful area. It was on a four by five mile lake. So I grew up, you know, actually fishing with a cane pole because we couldn't afford a rod and reel, never had a rod and reel, cutting my feet on mussels and building little sand castles. And by the age of five, I had been very well trained. I was an only child when we went to the grocery store not to ask for the candy bar because my mom in particular didn't want to be embarrassed that we couldn't afford it, which we couldn't. And so one day I asked myself, as a little, a little boy would do or a little girl would do, you know, well, what's the answer to this problem? Because what I really wanted is to get the candy bar. That's the funny part about the whole thing of how I became a millionaire. It was really solving the problem of how to get a candy bar. And I said, I know when I grow up, I'll be a millionaire. And I ran in and announced it to my parents like I had discovered water. And they're looking at me like I just told them I wanted to be an Indian or a cop or whatever. And I remember specifically my mom saying, don't tell anybody. Which, of course, being a little five-year-old, I told everyone. I was going to grow up and be a millionaire. And I'm sure they all kind of winked at each other. I went by James then and went, oh, little James is going to be a millionaire. Because nobody in that town actually believed real people became millionaires, right? That wasn't for us. We were supposed to be poor. But that planted the seed. And I believed it wholeheartedly. I never doubted it once from that moment forward. And was always selling little things and started a lawn mowing business. And, you know... When I was going to, to college, I actually went to college to go to med school. So I was on a special track to go to med school in three years, did my pre-med and made a decision that it didn't feel right. I've never regretted doing all that hard science because it gives me an, an opportunity to see life in a certain way uh, and never regretted not going. Ended up with a master's in clinical psych and came home and my dad had a regional trucking line that was basically bankrupt and everything had gone wrong. And he says, will you come home when you finish the master's, which was like about two, two months away, and work with me? Well, to be honest, the last thing in the world I wanted to do was, was do a trucking line. I had now decided to go to law school, which I later did. And I said, well, I'll come work you know, with you for six months, but I know nothing about business. And uh, I'd never taken a business class and really didn't have any interest in it. Now, when I look back, I was a little entrepreneur because I was always doing little businesses growing up. I just didn't get it. In fact, I didn't get that I was an entrepreneur until I was 41 and had already made millions and sold the company. And then it finally dawned on me that's what I was. And it just turned out I was fish to water. And I just started turning things around. And when I looked back, I realized that I'm a systems thinker. That's how I got through college and did so well so quickly is I was just creating little systems on how to take a test and how to outline a chapter and how to write a paper. I had a system for every one of those things. And I just started creating systems. And within six months, I had dramatically, we'd opened up another business. We had our own maintenance company that was doing all of our truck and trailer maintenance, which saved us a ton of money and put in a preventative maintenance program. And so my journey was through a hardcore, because there's not much more hardcore, I think, than a trucking line or you know, manufacturing, that kind of business is thin margins. You've got to do everything right. And it was a fantastic training ground because I really learned how, and I was numbers oriented, I learned how to be very precise and to create systems. And then I started hiring people and creating divisions and having people reporting to me and then having people that they were over. But everything was systemized so that if two people did the same task, 
they did it identically. And they had a checklist to go for. And then we computerized in 1985, which was very early for a small business to be computerizing. But I knew that it was the wave and it gave me reports that I, by 10 a.m., for example, I knew within 3%, because we, we had uh, databases of everything, if what our revenue and gross profit was for the day before. And then I knew if we were on track. By 10 a.m., I knew if we were on track in 1985. And if we weren't, I marched into the operations manager's office and I said, you know, we're off by this much today. We have to make it up. And if we were ahead, I marched in and I said, congratulations, yesterday was great. Let's have, let's be above our estimates today. And that gave me power uh, to run things in a way that most people back then were not running them. And it taught me how to approach business from a purely systems, run it by the numbers, and, and have everybody on the same page in, in a team that's running by systems. There's a lot to unpack there. Uh, one yeah, thing that... I thought I, thought I yeah. could read <laughs> <laughs> all, thing, uh, all of that. One of the things that really struck with me, and I, and I hear this a lot, and you were an, you've always been an entrepreneur. You didn't know it until you're 40. I didn't know, it. I, didn't know it, I was an entrepreneur. It, it is funny because I hear that all the time with people that... that come on the show and, and have this great success story, but they've always been doing it. The, new, the newspaper route or shining shoes or whatever it is growing up, they've always kind of found that outside the box solution to, to create income for themselves. One of the other things that you said that I think was pretty interesting is that you talked a lot about systems and systems are methodical, systems are analytical, systems are accurate. And we're entering this era where is I feel it's kind of dichotomous. On one hand, we are making strides with artificial intelligence in ways that have never been done before and that are changing businesses in never, in never been done ways before. And yet, the flip side of that is there also seems to be this shift in the business space towards having a more human mission to be purpose-driven first, profit second. And so... I'd love for you to talk to us, you know, and, and this is your opinion, of course, but to reconcile those two trends and how you think they fit together. Yeah, it's it's such a fabulous question, and 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 I think you're you're asking the person who's thought about it a lot. I can tell you that because my whole brand is conscious millionaire. So the conscious part deals with the why and the purpose and the bigger vision and. And, and also principles of business, that you're doing business to really positively impact other people's lives, that you're doing it in a, in a way that's authentic and that has integrity. And the millionaire is about making money. I don't think it's A or B. In other words, I don't think it's the chicken or the egg was first. I think, interestingly enough, they, they integrate. And I wrote, I wrote about that in my book, in fact, is that you start out, and when I work with anybody, I always, I don't care where they are in their business, they can have millions of revenues. I want to spend some time just focusing on why are they doing all this? And I break it down into three whys. So the first why is why are you choosing this impact to make? Because I look at business as being impact driven. And an impact is really solving a particular problem. But the real issue on that impact is when I got my MBA, it all worked from the outside in. So you looked at the environment, you saw a problem that wasn't being solved, and by golly, you created the business. And I go, well, that's just the most backwards way to create a business I can think of, because what's missing? You. And, and really, what I think uh, at the core of all this why question and purpose question is that the, 
when you're building a business, it's really about your journey as an, and your journey just happens to be entrepreneurial. But everything that you are is, is in that journey. So I say, well, it's got to come out of you. It's got to be some difference that you're really strongly feel you're on this planet to do. Because by the way, you can find a hundred different niches that could use that problem being solved because a, a difference you're making is a solution. So you're just starting with the solution first rather than the problem, then asking, well, what's the problem that this why solves? And then looking at, well, based upon all the niches out there I could work with, uh, which ones are large enough, which ones have the money or access to the money to pay me. And then the third question is, well, which ones would I like to get up in the morning and I'd find it exciting to help them with their problem every day? Because essentially, if you're going to build a successful business, you're helping people with the same core problem or set of problems on a daily basis. That's what a business does if it's successful. And then, well, why are you doing this in terms of how much money you want to make? What are you going to do with that money? You know, most people in the United States have a, we have a problem in our culture. And it's, and it's called uh, that we don't know what is sufficient. And so I coined the phrase sufficient abundance. Like what is, what is, you know, you see the advertisements, what is your number? Well, the real question is, well, how much money do I need in order to accomplish what I want to accomplish? Now that may be you want to build 10 orphanages, you know, in Uganda. Great. Then you need to know what it's going to cost and how much are you going to contribute and how much you're going to get from other people. And then the, the third why is, is about you. Why am I doing this particular business, this particular impact, working with these particular people, building my team the way I'm building it so that I can take a specific journey? And then just to finish unpacking it, there's two aspects to that. What am I doing this journey for in terms as an entrepreneur, the initiatives that I'm going to do this, this year? Is it to raise my profile so that I can get connected with other people with that profile or get on more stages or speak at more events or be on podcasts or whatever it is. And then what is it I wanted out of this deal? You know, like I'm playing around with a model of how do I get to a place that I can uh, run everything, build it the way I want and spend one to two months a year outside the United States. And it's not outside the United States and I'm not doing business. But it's outside the United States, and, and then how do I do business part of the week and the rest of the week? I'm just exploring wherever I'm at, traveling, you know, going off to a different place for the weekend. So that's a, a question I'm asking. Everybody should be asking questions like that. What what is that I want out of this? So to me, the why, the purpose, is totally integrated in with the profits that you want. You just start with the purpose. But you must be clear about the kind of profits you also want because that's going to impact the decision of who you work with and what you sell them. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. 
you'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you. And I can't wait to see where you'll go. And, and that was beautifully stated in talking about how to use your why to frame everything that we do in the business. JV, yeah. let's, let's revisit the second part of that, that question about you know, the technology, because technology, like anything else, can have positives and negatives. But where we're moving towards is an automated society with bots and AI. And I, I saw, in fact, that expo where you and I met, they had a gentleman come on stage and he was talking to Alexa and asked Alexa to run all this algorithmic stuff and everybody in the audience's jaw was dropped. So talk to us a little bit about how you think technology and future technologies that are emerging play a role in all this. Well, that couldn't be more timely, uh, Richard, because last week, three days, I was at a conference called the Conference of World Affairs. It's an international conference. It's very famous. Uh, it's their 71st year and it's at the CU, Colorado University, Boulder campus in Colorado. And every uh, hour and a half, they have probably eight or nine different breakout sessions you can go to. And that's the format, like all day long from 9 a.m. to like 9 p.m. And of course, me, I went to them all. And some of the ones I went to very intentionally were on artificial intelligence. So it's kind of like back in 1985 when I was finishing up law school, running the business, and reading in computer magazines about the next stage of computers and going, oh, we need to do this. Even though at that time, only large companies were doing it. Smaller companies weren't typically computerizing. And today I'm asking, how do I use AI to further my stated outcome of helping a million entrepreneurs become conscious millionaires, the financial millionaires who've made their money by making a positive impact? And then, of course, many of those will go on and make millions and tens of millions. No one's done anything like that. The people who are in my industry who've made a big mark you know, can say, I helped 100 people. Nobody's done a million. And to me, uh, a lot of the approach I'm going to take is going to be technology-driven. It's very clear to me that I have to use different approaches than anybody else has used. And just using human beings and just doing trainings or events or having just products alone is not going to be enough. So I'm looking for the positive side of what can I utilize in technology in order to massively grow my business, just kind of like what you're doing. Because I see that the wave of the future. Uh, Much the same as that for several years now, I've known I was going to build some software, you know, and thinking about how I'll bring it together a team to have some software-driven product that's uh, probably a continuity, kind of like Schedule Once. Uh, And I just throw that out because I use Schedule Once. There are lots of schedulers, but gosh, for $20 a month, I would have, running all the shows that we run, I would have to have someone spending a lot of their time and it would annoy people because I have people who schedule me that way. And I go, can you just send me a scheduler with some (laughs) shoes, you know? But that's a perfect example. It solves a big problem. It's $20 a month and I couldn't be happier spending it because it solves a problem of how do I get everybody connected to the spaces and get them scheduled and then give them follow-up emails so that they're sure they have the interview flow and they know, you know what this is all about. So to me, technology is the biggest leverage point that you and I as entrepreneurs have 
And it's why this is, I talk about the next decade being the next gold rush. And, and I've been talking about that for several months. I think there are three factors in it. I think the first one is that we're at a hockey stick in, in terms of technology. You know, if we look at the last 20 years, we're in awe and we're going, wow, this was pretty amazing what's happened. We're all running around with smartphones that have more computer power than whole rooms in the 50s and 60s of computers had. And it's our, it's our, it's, it's our personal, to me, it's like, you know, I, I, I have a new iPhone. So I don't know, it's $154 a month for all the fees and everything. And it's my office. It's my workspace that's with me all the time, right? I think we're at a hockey stick where what has happened is a, just a small glimpse of the leverage that is now going to happen over the next decade. I mean, we're entering this decade. By the time we get there, everybody's rolling out 5G. Most of us don't even totally understand what 5G will do for us. But we could be leaving that decade at 8, 9, 10G, and we have no idea what that means. Mm-hmm. We're just coming into a time where you and I are legitimately looking at AI. And one of the things that came out of the conference, because it was all panel-driven, was that whatever the Googles and the Facebooks, because that's who can afford the big AI projects right now, can do within 10 years, we'll be doing it on our PC. And that there'll be software that we can do AI on a modular base and just drag and drop. So I think asking those kind of questions, are, that's the, the leverage point. The second part is there's an up swing in consciousness all over the planet. Where there are people like you and me, you're listening today, you're probably asking questions like this as well. How can I use my life to make this a better world? How can I bring that into my business? How can I bring it into my family? How I raise my children? Everything. And then the third part of this new gold rush is us, the entrepreneurs. I think 80% of the change, and I want it to be positive change, that's going to occur over the next decade is going to be entrepreneurially driven. And that's entrepreneurs that are small, mid-sized, large corporations. They're still entrepreneurs. And about 20% is going to be cause-based organizations and thought leaders who are going to create movements. And I think that's our 80-20, but the 80% is on the side of us as entrepreneurs. And so when we say that we've never had this opportunity, I'll go back to schedule once, where for $20, I can get everybody scheduled for six shows, right? We've never had that opportunity before, but we've also never had the opportunity to solve problems that are going to impact the world on a big scale. And you and I, as quote-unquote small entrepreneurs, can come up with those ideas and find ways to implement them. And that wasn't true 10, 20 years ago. And now it's true that you and I can do that. And you're listening, and that means you can do that. Well said, JV. And I want to circle back a little bit to your story and and your mission, because I've been thinking about this as we've been talking. You made this happen. You turned around the trucking company. you You went back to law school. At what point did you realize? Because many people make the money and then they go and buy the lavish things and they start having a a judgmental position where they view others as less than. At what point did you know that you were going to have this mission? You were going to help other people become millionaires for the purpose of making the world a better place. When did that happen for you? It's a fabulous, it's really a fabulous question because there's lots of things I want to answer on that. So I became 
aware three months after I moved into this new four-story home with the Mercedes. And I want to put it in, you know, in, in the context. You know, today we see Mercedes all over the place. But 30, 40 years ago, that actually was not true. Mercedes were about as rare as a Bentley is today. So to be a 25-year-old in a brand new four-story home on the water with a Mercedes was a, uh, a bigger deal than I understood at the time, right? Because at the time, I was simply experiencing it. When I look back, and I go, it was a pretty big deal. What was a bigger deal was that it only took me three months. Now, remember, I'd been dreaming about this since I was five. So I had 20 years to change my mind about what was possible. And, and by the way, today I'm asking, how do I be a billionaire? And um, that seems less preposterous as coming from little Aquaha, Florida and being a millionaire. You know, even though it's a, it's a million miles away, I'm going, yeah, I can, I can get there in 25 years, you know, because we can have all these opportunities like you're beginning to experience. So three months into this, I was one day in my living room looking out at the water and it was blowing palm trees that I had in my front lawn and people were sailing on the bay. And I had a meltdown that only took 60 seconds to be in a point of just total self-destruction. And it started with going, something's wrong with this picture. Now imagine I'd spent 20 years getting to this picture and thinking it was the answer. And I somehow touched inside my soul and realized I was perfectly miserable. I was absolutely horrible at relationships. I didn't have very many friends because I was pretty blunt, kind of an asshole. I was very arrogant at that point in my life. Uh, so I wouldn't even have been friends with me who I was in the 20s. I mean, now I think I'm a really nice guy, but it took some work to get here. And, uh, and some humbling experiences where you realize you actually aren't God, you know, and, and this delusion, it's time to get rid of it. And I just fell apart in, in less than a minute. And realized my life was a total mess. And all I'd figured out how to do was to have money. Now, I didn't want to give the money back because I knew what it was like to be poor. But I knew that the money all of a sudden wasn't the answer that I thought it was. And I went off to sweat lodges, to spiritual retreats, to Tony Robbins, to Wayne Dyer, read everybody I could in personal growth. And I said, there's got to be a bigger answer. And over time, what I realized was it's what we started the show about. And I was living my life without purpose, without any real meaning. And I felt very fortunate to have discovered that at such a, a really relatively young age, to have had, as I put it, just enough money to figure out that wasn't the answer, even though I thought it was, even though I'd been told it was. That if you just, and, and today people are told, if you just get the money, if you just have the million dollars, somehow your life works. And I want to tell you, it only works if it works. And you can have money or not have money. And it's better to have the money because you now you have options as to how you can put the building blocks. But having those options without doing the inner work, it was the inner work that made the difference and helped help me discover that I needed a bigger purpose for my life. And that's when I sold the companies. And I went and lived at a Buddhist monastery. I lived at Esalen on the Big Sur coast, which is where the human potential movement began. I went and moved to and lived in Boulder, uh, which is kind of like living at Esalen. It's just bigger. And I'd go camping for two and three weeks at a time, literally doing vision quests and saying, why am I on this planet? I've got all these skills. What can I do to help other people? And that's when in a hot tub, 
the moment came to me and I saw Conscious Millionaire in my forehead. I looked down. I, was, I had a brochure for a green festival, saw the word Conscious, saw Conscious Millionaire, got a tingling in my spine. I said, that's it. That's my calling. That's why I'm here. And got out of the hot tub, not quickly. I spent some time reveling in this you know, discovery and took ConsciousMillionaire.com and filed my trademarks like a good attorney. And that was the beginning of Conscious Millionaire. But as I put it, from whence this came, let's call it the universe for lack of a better word. God's fine as well. I didn't get an instruction manual, Richard. I had no idea what Conscious Millionaire was. I went, sounds cool. I'm in, but I don't know what I'm in for. I just knew that uh, my initial concept that first day was I want to help people get to their first million. I knew that. And I don't want them to have the experience I had of getting there and being empty. I want them to have taken a journey that while they're getting there, they've also done the inner work and realized this is about something bigger than the money or even your own journey. It's, it's about being part of something that's more important. But I didn't know how the pieces would come together. And in doing so, the tapestry has unwoven and now you have this massive network. You've got the podcast. You've got a book. You're a best-selling author. Let's spend just a quick moment talking about the book. Okay. And I know in the book, you have these seven habits that you recommend that people go through. And we don't have time to talk about all seven. You'll just have to read the book if you're listening to this. But <laughs> Well, you know, I'm glad you brought up that chapter because I haven't talked about it in a, in a while. So there's seven habits. I had one person advise, oh, you don't want to do seven habits because Cubby has his seven. I go, no, mine will be different. I want, I want seven habits. It's really interesting. The first three conscious focus action come out of the, the formula for creating wealth that runs throughout the book. And then the last three are very practical things like leveraging, learning. But the middle one, number four, it was like I had tryouts in a way. So it would be habit of the week. And I think of a habit that was a good habit. I'd put it there and I'd kind of mull on it for a week or so. And then I'd go, great habit, but it's not the essence of conscious millionaire. So I realized that this last habit, which was the middle one in the way I organized them, was going to be the one that was the quintessential habit that would really define what was this conscious millionaire journey about. And here's what it became. And the moment I happened on it, you know, kind of, a thought came through my mind, right? It was always do the right thing. And I said, that's it. That's it. Because that's the habit that is contextual. That's the habit that depends upon the situation. What is the right thing? And it even depends on what your outcomes are. So what would be the right thing for Richard in the same situation? And JV and Linda might not be the same answer. It's, it's, there's no cookie cutter answer here. This is more the big question in life. What is, what is the right thing to do here? It's the one that we can all sit around and have a, a mastermind about because it's so deep. It's so important. And yet I think it defines great companies because when you think of the companies you really love doing business with, and we all do business with some large companies that we're simply doing business with them out of practicality. Because they're big, they provide what we want, but we might not like them at all. 
right? I'm sure everybody here, when I said that, can think of some company they don't like that they do business with them. I'm talking about the ones you love to pay money to. And I can guarantee you every one of them are focused on doing the right things and, and giving you... Uh, it, it's interesting because um, I, just, I just wrote this a couple of days ago that I think great companies are about loving and caring for people. And I think we, we don't put love into business enough. We think of business as um, almost this um, logical thing, which it's not when it's great. It's very emotional. It's very spiritual. It's very much about love. It, it's about caring about other human beings on this planet. And that, in my opinion, is why people do business with you. Because they get that you actually do care. It's not a script you read on the phone to someone. You actually care. And, and not only do you actually care, and we've talked about this on air and off, that when you're in alignment with your purpose, the universe, as you said, there are these moments of synchronicity that seem to connect the dots and align every, every moment exactly as it's supposed to happen. Um, I loved our discussion today. I did want to just kind of end on that note, which is really fun. So JV and I did connect at, at that conference in Orlando. And Podfest. Podfest Expo, which was incredible. And every Podfest, every podcaster should check that out. What's really wild is that when we met, after we met, and, and I gave him a card and shook his hand and, and wandered away, several weeks later, I received a phone call from a number I didn't recognize. And I didn't usually answer them, but I did in this instance. And, and JV had informed me that my business card literally flew out of the jacket that he was wearing that he hadn't worn since Podfest Expo. And kind of was a sign for him that he should call me. And, and now here we are connecting and uh, hopefully helping a lot of people, which is really exciting. Yeah, that is, that is really interesting because I'm a very um, systems methodical kind of person. So I had already checked out of my room. I, w- I had taken um, a fr- the friend of mine, Marcus, to the uh, airport. And I came back and was only going to be there for two hours. So I had already... S- I bring envelopes and I have different reasons I connect with people. And I label all the cards. And then I put them in that particular envelope. And then the other... Partic- and they're already sealed in, in, in my uh, suitcase. So that's why you were just this uh, additional, the, the special person I met, right? <laughs> and so your card went in my coat jacket rather than in one of those envelopes. And, you know, when I got home, I kind of forgot about it, you know, because I, I had a, a lot of cards. And then I was t- wearing that, I think, to the symphony or something, and I took it off and it just turned upside down and there the card fell and I went, oh my gosh. I have got to call Richard. And the next day I called you. Fortunately, I didn't call you at like 10 o'clock at night or something. (laughs) (laughs) But it was a really cool conversation and and led to more. So just another example of how how the universe likes to have fun with us and put everybody together in in the right way and at the right time. JV, uh, speaking of time, we are at time. This has been so much fun for me. I'm sure my guests took so much out of listening to this. As you know, I wrap up every episode by asking people who come on the show a single question, and that is, what is your biggest helping, the one most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today? Yeah, well, I'm going to go back to why. Because... You know, I've seen Simon Sinek, uh, you know, talk about why. I think that a lot of times why in business gets um, viewed as kind of fluffy. This is the fluffy soft part. 
And, and I think that we've demonstrated today in our conversation that actually it's not. It's the core reason for the impact you choose to be making with your business. It's the core reason for deciding how much money you want to make and what are you going to do with it. It's the core reason for deciding this next 12 months, what is this journey about for me as an entrepreneur? What do I want out of this deal? Right? And that's not just time off, but that might be part of it. And maybe you want the four the four um, the four day week. A four hour week would be nice, but realistically, a four day week is quite accom- accomplishable, but uh, still a lot of work to get there. But that it actually should be the core that it isn't the why or the the purpose or the profit. It's really that the they all come out of this why. Your whole purpose for being on the planet, your purpose for starting this company or that company. Uh, for making this impact or that impact, for saying, well, this is my revenue and profit goal for this year, and this is why I want the money. And there's, there's a purpose behind all of this. It isn't just accidental, I chose a number. And why, why am I doing this? You know, what, what is this? Where do I want to take my life over the next 12 months? I think it's core to everything. And until you know it, you can build a business, but it'll never be the business that you were on the planet to build until you infuse it with why. I love that. Jivy, talk to us about where people can find you. And we talked a little bit before we started recording that you're going to give something special away to the audience. So share that with us as well. Well, the majority of the people I work with, they, they come into two categories, people who want to get to their first million and people who already have, and they typically want to scale their small mid-sized business. Uh, so we work with both groups of people. I want to give you my formula for, uh, for getting to that first million. And it's called the seven-figure formula. It's the steps you need to take. And you can get that at ConsciousMillionaire.com forward slash seven-figure formula. And yes, folks, we have both links. It's seven as a number. And you, if you want to spell it out, you go right ahead. That'll work as well. So ConsciousMillionaire.com forward slash seven-figure formula. Outstanding. JV, I have loved our time together. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for um, coming over and sitting down that last day at PodFest and us having a conversation because that's how we got to know each other. There you go. Loved it. And to each and every one of you who tuned into this episode, thank you as well. We appreciate every time you check out our show. If you loved what you heard, go subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a five-star review because this helps other people find the podcast. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for somebody else, especially if you don't know who they are and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. 